Welcome back to Beyond Well. I'm Sheila Hamilton, and this is a program for people who want to learn more about our interior lives. Every week, we take a look at the psychological landscape and try to figure out together how we can deal with some of the struggles that we're all going to have from time to time. Angela Ismirian has been here with us, um, sitting in for Dr. Jenna Lejeune and doing an amazing job. Thank you, Angela. Thank you. And Dr. Brian Goff is also here with us every single week. And this week, he's the hero because he brought in Girl Scout cookies. (laughs) (laughs) Boxes and boxes. Which one is your favorite? You know, I don't discriminate. I just, if they're sold <laughs> to me right? by a girl in a vest, they they taste great. Seriously? <laughs> yeah, no, um, pr- probably, probably the Tagalongs. Yeah. But is it called trefoils? Trefoils. Tref- oh, yeah. Yeah, there's it's like a butter cookie. Uh-huh. It's awfully good. Yeah. I thought those ones were kind of the most boring, those sugar cookies that are just sort of like, why when you're going to have a cookie, would you go for that one? I don't I feel know. safe. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm triggered. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's who can help me right this minute. (laughs) Speaking of safe, this is a a topic I've wanted to do for a long time because a lot of listeners talk about um, the relationships that they're in being toxic. Mm -hmm. And I want you guys, first of all, to describe for me how you would define a toxic relationship. Brian, you want to go first? Sure. Yeah. Um, It's a big category. And I do think that a lot of times people are wondering if they're in a toxic relationship. I think there's also the category where there's also the group of people who uh, just think that this is what relationships are like uh, or that this is just kind of their partner having a bad day, but there's a lot of bad days. Uh, so in some ways, discovering that this is a toxic relationship um, kind of for the first time is pretty helpful, I think. Um, I tend to think of toxic toxicity as inequality, Mm. Uh, and that shows up in a lot of different ways, and I'm sure we're going to be going over that. But inequality, like I am less than my partner or my partner sees me as less than, and it comes out in a lot of different ways. Wow, that's beautiful. I mean, that's a really incredibly powerful definition because if you're made to feel in any way, sexually, emotionally, physically less than, mm-hmm. you carry around this like great sense of... Um, like a lack of self-worth if it's your partner reminding you of that every single day. Yeah. So I'm wondering if if part of the warning sign of a toxic relationship is that your partner makes you feel less than physically, emotionally, sexually. Is, w- would you agree, Angela? Yeah, definitely. Um, feeling less than and then feeling like maybe I deserve this or I have to stay because this is the best I can do. There's a little piece of that, I think, too, of that your self-doubt tends to just keep going down and you start doubting, what did I do? Did I bring out this bad behavior? Did I cause this? Mm. And then that self-doubt is like, well, maybe it's all my fault and now I shouldn't leave. It's kind of wild how we do that, that whatever it is that's in our environment, whether it's uh, a lot of support and belief uh, that somebody uh, shows for you, or it's an invalidation or gaslighting or controlling or pathologizing, either of those messages, we end up internalizing them. And so the very thing that we don't really like from our partner, mm-hmm. we end, it ends up showing up sort of internally. Yeah, definitely. When you talk about gaslighting, I always think about it politically, but how does it show up in a relationship? Give me an example. Well, you know, I, I haven't actually checked the Webster's definition <laughs> of gaslighting, but when I think about gaslighting, it is... Uh, broad category of your experience 
is somehow uh, not trustworthy, your experience is off some way. So mm. um, you're sharing a memory of a conversation that we had. And I say, I never said that. That never happened. I don't know where you're coming up with that. Uh-huh. Um, that your feelings, I feel scared. There's nothing to be scared about. Tell me why you're scared. Yeah. Give me a reason why you're scared. Uh-huh. And then you share something. It's like, that's ridiculous. So That's no reason to be afraid. The consistent invalidation of your experience. Mm -hmm. Ah, interesting. Mm -hmm. It's uh, minimizing. It's, yeah, it's quite making you question yourself. Right. Right. Yeah. I want to know why it is that so many, in particular, women will stay in a toxic relationship even once they've identified it, know it's dangerous, and, um, and... It, it is consistent, it's not improving, and they still stay. You know, from my perspective, there's a handful of reasons. Uh, I mean, one of them being that uh, you're scared. You're scared of what his reaction, if it's if we're talking about the, the woman in a straight relationship, uh, she may stay because she's afraid of what his reaction is going to be, what she's <laughs> going to say or do to her, um, that he often in many situations, has a lot of financial control mm. over you. Yeah. Um, and what he may say or do uh, with respect to the kids. Um, and sometimes even threatening, you know, uh, not just harm maybe to the woman in the relationship, but even harm to himself. Like, if you ever left me, I, I just think I would kill myself. Yeah. Boy, it's way more common than you know. You know, yeah. from my perspective, having gone through that entire trauma when you talk to other women, there's a lot of men who threaten that they will die by suicide if the woman leaves them. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and for many women, carrying the potential guilt of that, the imagined guilt is even way too much so that they, they stay, which is the worst thing for a person who needs help. Mm -hmm. The worst thing. Just yeah. completely, you know, allows the person to continue to spiral. Yeah. You deal in um, relationships all the time, Dr. Ismerian, and I, I'm sure that it is both sides who come to you with, with this feeling of, I am so trapped and I don't know what to do. So walk me through some of the steps about how we can self-evaluate what our next steps should be to determine whether or not it may be time to leave a relationship. Oh, um, I think... So one of the first things I ask someone is like, what do you want in a relationship? And can your partner provide that for you? Uh -huh. And it's okay if the answer is no, but do you feel safe enough to work with your partner toward that? Can you see that future with them? And can you imagine them and you working together as a unit toward that goal? Mm. I think the issue then becomes, it's like, well, I think that they can improve. Of course they're going to improve. Um, or I really hope that they can. They've had small bouts of improvement the thing is, how much of it can you handle? Mm -hmm. And so I, I always tell them, you go in with a negative story a lot of times with about your partner. And I think the goal then becomes, like, can you let go of that negative story towards your partner? If the answer is no, that's going to make it so much harder to go through the relationship work. Mm -hmm. If you can, and you can distance from that negative story you have about the relationship or about the partner, it's so much easier to then go, let's work on this. Mm. But I think the bottom line is, can you trust them and can you be safe with them? It's such an interesting um, place to begin. Can you drop the negative story you've been telling yourself about your partner? Because I, I can imagine 
if people answered honestly, half of couples therapy would go away. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, seriously, mm -hmm. right? People are kind of going in there as sort of a show of good faith, but they're really not willing to drop a negative story they've been telling themselves about their partner. Mm -hmm. They're unwilling to to take a look at themselves and their part in it. Right. Looking at your side of the street. The, the, the thing that is showing up for me, though, that's kind of challenging about this is we were just talking about um, feeling controlled and gaslit. Yeah. Um, and uh, your partner being very, very critical of you, but very defensive about themselves. Uh, their message as a toxic partner towards you is your narrative about me is wrong. Uh -huh. You're mm -hmm. the one who's broken. Uh, you don't know how good you have it. It would be a lot worse for you and for the kids and for yeah. everybody if you left. Um, I don't need to change. You need to go to individual therapy and figure out why you're unhappy because it certainly can't be me. Uh. No one's loved you like I've loved you and no one will ever love you like I love you, et cetera, et cetera. And then you go into a situation where somebody says, can you let go of your narrative? And it's like, mm -hmm. uh, uh. yeah, okay, yeah, maybe he's right. Maybe yeah. he's right. And I don't completely disagree with you, Angela. It's just that's that's the, the tension here yeah. is I'm already feeling like I'm standing on really, really slippery ground mm -hmm. in terms of owning my own experience. I completely agree with that. If both partners have to be okay with receiving feedback, mm -hmm. if they aren't, then... yeah you really can't grow as a relationship as a couple. And so if if it's that one-sided controlling comments and the other person is receiving all of that and holding it and then they have to let it go, absolutely not. That would not be safe. Yeah. And that's what I mean by there has to be some level of safety of both people could talk to each other. And that almost seems like one of the defining characteristics as we've been talking about it as in a toxic relationship is uh, if your partner shows up and says, I really am willing to examine how it is I'm not partnering with you equally. Yes. Uh, that's a good sort of a diagnostic sign mm -hmm. that there's hope. If instead it's, I don't, you know, you judge me, you hold this over me. Um, it's, you know, if you just stopped listening to your friends and your family about me, we would be okay. Uh, when one person has to do all of the change and all of the fixing in the relationship, I think that's a really, really bad sign. Agreed. There is, um, in our notes when we were talking in preparation for this conversation, something you said, Dr. Esmerian, that really resonated with me. And it is even sometimes when it is untenable for people, they will stay in a relationship so as not to have to undergo change yes so i guess we just acknowledge from the outset that leaving any relationship beginning again is kind of like open heart surgery yes right it's so hard it is very very difficult how do you begin to prepare people for the maybe necessity of actually leaving yeah um we talk through some of the barriers that we like logistical barriers that are going to come up i share a pet we live together. Oh. We have children. We have to talk about how scary that's going to be to think about it, but also build up their confidence to mm -hmm. say, of course you can. And who are the people? Who are the supports? What are the resources that you have? Um, just kind of a lot of it is mental preparation first before you do any of the logistical preparation yeah. of, 
yes, like let's get take you back to that time when you actually had that confidence in yourself. Yeah. You mentioned open heart surgery. Um, I wonder if, if it might be useful to think of it as not so much open heart surgery, but say knee surgery, mm-hmm. where uh, if something's wrong with my knee, if I've torn something in my knee, uh, it means maybe that I don't jump as high or I don't, I can't play, pick up basketball at the gym, but I can still move around and do my life. And there's a lot of acceptance there that it's like, I'm okay with the limitations that I'm experiencing. Yeah. Everyone that gets to the point of really seriously considering orthoscopic surgery, uh, or yeah, orthoscopic surgery is, uh, um, the impairment that they're experiencing is so great, Mm -hmm. is so great. But still, when you consider surgery, the pain and the narcotics Mm -hmm. and the recovery time, and initially, uh, right before the surgery, you can't uh, maybe bend over really easily or walk up the stairs without hanging onto the railing. Immediately after the surgery, you can't walk at all. Mm -hmm. But you still do that because you will heal and you will move in a smoother, more unrestricted, un- unguarded way. And then the prospect of the surgery becomes a little more tenable if you have support. People bring yeah. meals over and yeah. so forth. So I think to, to carry the metaphor, it's do I have people who have my back? Yeah. Do I have friends, family members who will support me in this and help me through the initial post-surgery recovery time? Yeah. Um, While I heal. I remember talking to my sister when I was the year after my husband died and her saying, you're going to need to give yourself a few years. And I was like, damn it, Mm -hmm. a few years. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't, I am already so much in the trauma and the pain of this thinking. I can't even make it through this day that I was like, when she said a few years, I was like, that's too long. Mm. But it is a few years before you're truly back to stable ground, full confidence, feeling like yourself again. And in the span of a lifetime, that's actually not that long for something that's so destabilizing. Mm -hmm. But boy, when you're in it, when you're in the change, you'd give anything at any moment to have someone relieve that suffering of how painful change is like that. Well, yeah, I think Hamlet was talking about suicide and not divorce, but there is that, you know, do you bear the ills that you know, or do you run to those you know not of? Uh Uh-huh. Right. Mm -hmm. I know. And so the fear of change and the fear of the unknown keeps people sort of stuck. Stuck. Like, well, I can at least get through today. I'm just Mm -hmm. surviving. Right. Yeah. That's beautiful. Is there anything else that you guys want to talk about, especially if there's someone listening who's like, whoa, I recognize myself and my relationship in a lot of what they said today. I guess my basic, basic message is abuse is not okay. And there are various forms of abuse, whether that's financial, emotional, sexual, physical. If you aren't safe, then to me, that's not a relationship. Mm-hmm. It kind of takes me back to what Brian was just saying. You have to be willing to deal with that pain. And it's one of my favorite quotes where no one changes until the pain of remaining the same outweighs the pain of change. Mm-hmm. And so you have to deal with the realization that I have to change. And that might be scary. And it might be lonely at times. And I want you to think about what are the resources that you have. Yeah. That's great. I think I'd add that either because of shame or because of the message from the toxic partner 
that a lot of what goes on behind closed doors in that relationship is secret. And so I wonder if it may be useful for someone in this situation to get another set of eyes on it. And maybe that's a therapist, but that's also maybe a family member, a sibling, a close friend mm -hmm. to just say, let me, can I describe to you some of the things that happen in my relationship? And that might be the sort of the wake up call or the reality check that might be sort of validating of your experience. Yeah, I love it. If you want more information, you can always go to our website at uh, beyondwellwithsheilahamilton.com. And we are supported very nicely by Cedar Hills Hospital, the Foundation for Excellence in Mental Health Care and Hubble Communications. We really appreciate you listening. And if you could give us a thumbs up where you listen, we'd love you back for it.